Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. How are we doing? Okay, so first service was a little rough this morning with the people and the sleepiness and the frowny faces. So second service, I'm going to need you to help me out a bit. I recognize this might be the first time you've been out of your pajamas in about nine days. So we walked in here this morning. We're like, I don't think we've stepped foot in here since Christmas Eve. And wow, we should... Sweep the floor or something. I mean, we I, holiday holiday week sets in, and we all kind of chill out. We're glad that you are with us to kick off the new year here in church this morning. We feeling excited? Feeling good? Yes. Okay. Good. Just uh, help me out a little bit today. I know New Year's New Year's resolutions. One of them can be smile in church from time to time. Some of you are like, I'm here in church. That's all you're getting today on January second. That's good. We'll take you. Um, as Colonel mentioned, men's breakfast coming up, I was thinking about it. We actually had a bit of a discussion about when is the best time to start a Saturday morning men's breakfast. There's kind of two distinct camps. I think Dennis is one. Um, where you would say, 8.30, day's half over by 8.30. Let's get here at 6 a.m., right? Anybody in the like, let's get here early and, okay, there's a couple. Good. Because I'm the second one, like, how about a, how about a brunch? How about an 11 a.m. brunch? And so really what we did is we compromised at 8.30 so everyone will have something to complain about on Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, we would love it if you would um, include in your New Year's plans and goals to dive into the life of this church, midweek activities, Bible study. We talked about scripture memory. Um, the scripture memory, and here's another thing we've done. Every year since we started this church, we've had a passage of scripture that we're going to memorize as a church. Now, here's a look behind the curtain. If you're new here, this is kind of how this has gone over the last seven years. Starts out gangbusters, and then there's like three of us that finish. I think Stacy and Kerrigan and myself, and maybe Christy. I think maybe. And we get to the end. And so we thought, well, maybe we need a, maybe we need a shorter passage of Scripture. So we've shortened it. Six verses, four verses, doesn't help. So this year we're going the other way. This is the longest scripture memory challenge we've ever had. I think it's like 20, 27 verses. It's a verse a day. It's a verse a day. If I asked some of you guys what your fantasy football did, fantasy football team did in week two of this season, you'd have every play down and every stat down. So I think if we channel our energy to memorizing scripture, I think we can do it. We might forget the name of our kids. That's fine for January. We'll memorize scripture instead. Um, all right, happy new year. We're glad that you're with us today. We are um, at the start of the new year. Maybe you're like me. You ask questions. What do I want this year? What are some goals of the year? I'm not a huge new year's resolution guy. I've noticed the trend this year has been set new year's resolutions, but a lot of them are saying, let's kick it off on Monday. Let's start on Monday morning. We'll hit the gym on Monday morning. Um, I want to ask this question for us as a church for you as individuals in this church. As Homestead Church, how can we grow this year? And really, that's what this series is about that we're going to start today. We're kicking off a new series. How can we grow? Now, I am not talking about how we as a church can grow in numbers. I'm not interested in attendance records or offering records. You know, just so you know, the last year, 2021, was a great year for Homestead Church financially. For attendance, we saw God be faithful through all of that. That's not what I'm talking about. My goal here is not to get every seat filled and to build an empire. Okay, when I say how can we grow, I'm asking you, how can you grow in your faith this year? 
How can you grow as a disciple? I'm asking me, what are areas of my life that I want to grow in spiritually this year? So we've talked about it. We've talked about Bible reading or scripture memory. It could be just spending some time, a few days per week, reading a chapter of the Bible. Maybe reading the Bible during the week is something that's brand new, and that could be a step for you to grow this year. How does the Bible apply to my life? It could be praying. It could be praying out loud, praying for a group of people, praying in front of people. I know that that freaks a lot of people out. You've never done it. This could be the year where you grow in that. Maybe you are here today. Maybe your New Year's resolution was, I'm going to show up at church once in a while, and you're here today, and we're glad that you're here. But maybe you could grow this year in your faith impacts your life throughout the week. It moves past that Sunday morning, check the box, into God, what do you want to do in my life this week? Your faith impacts your life and impacts the world around you. That's why we're here as a church, to grow in our faith. When we started Homestead Church seven years ago, one of the you know, foundations, we said, this is what we want to be about. We want to be a community of people. We love one another. Everyone's welcome here. We're a family that helps each other grow in faith that helps each other grow. We don't want to just gather. We don't want to just be a club. We don't want it to be something that just the people on the stage do, pray and worship and and all of these things. We help each other grow in faith. So when Colonel gets up here and talks about Bible study on Monday night and men's breakfast and Thursday night prayer, we're simply putting opportunities in front of the church to say, here are some opportunities for us to grow this year in our faith. Amen? We doing good so far? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. So that's what we're talking about in this series. The series is called Good Works. Now here's what the main idea of this series is. And when you see good works, maybe you think about all the things that you learned you were supposed to do in Sunday school or all the things that the Christians tell you should do and all the behaviors that Christians are supposed to do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing all the things to earn salvation. I'm not talking about a religion that's just a checklist of behaviors. I'm not talking about good works. We know that we are saved by grace. We do not need to earn salvation. However, when I talk about good works, and here's what we're going to talk about today. When we are followers of Jesus, there is a purpose. God has called us to do things with our life. God has a plan for your life. There is a purpose for your life. So this is not a to-do list to make God happy with you. This is an opportunity. Now, I know I sound a little bit like a parent who says, don't consider loading the dishwasher a to-do list. Think of it as an opportunity. But this is a really good opportunity, right? This is the God of the universe has called you to do something with your life. So I know a lot of times we think in general gen, generalities, gen, gen, we think of a big group. Um, I want you to individualize this. God has a plan for your life. You can say that. God has a plan for my life. What has God called you to do? We're going to start in the book of Ephesians today. One of my New Year's resolutions is to see better in the words that I'm reading, so i got to put on the glasses today. Kids don't ever turn 40, or 48 in my case. They'll stop being able to see things. Ephesians chapter 1, here's kind of the starting point for this sermon series today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's a good way to start the year right there. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We're going to stop there for a minute. That verse there, verse 4, he 
chose you before the creation of the world for a purpose. That, that's amazing. So we start with this idea that God created everything we see. It's not just an accident. If you're a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, this is what the Bible teaches, that God made everything, including you. And it says here in the Word, before he did any of that, he had in mind a plan for your life, individually. That's amazing. That's amazing. Before the foundation of the world, God had a purpose for your life. So we start with this general thought and general idea that we have together. You were made by God for a purpose. You were made in the image of God to have a relationship with God. That God, before he formed anything, thought about your life and the plans he had for it. That should stop us in our tracks today. That should be everything we need for a happy new year is God thought of my life from the foundation of the earth. Your life. That's amazing. We start with this general idea that all people are made in the image of God, that there is a purpose and a plan for all people. So first of all, what that does is it uh, reinforces in our life that we look at life as valuable. Amen? Human life is valuable. All life is valuable. So if you want to know where I get my personal conviction and what I believe the Word of God says in protecting the unborn, Caring for the poor, caring for the single mother, the unwed teenaged mother that doesn't have any other options, the people in the poor ghettos in India and around the world, the people in the inner city lost, whatever it is, all life is valuable. And we have it not because of any, your life is valuable today, and young people, I want you to get this in your heart. Your life is valuable today not because of anything you accomplish not because of anything that happens on social media or how recognized or popular you are or grades or the approval of anybody. It's not about how you look or how you act. Your life is valuable. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. That's everybody. Life is valuable. There's value in every life. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But the second thing we get about that is not just that there's value in every life. Every life is here for a purpose. That it's not just an accident. You're not just passing through. Not just a random existence that certain things happened in the cosmos billions of years ago and caused all this to happen. We believe that God made you in his image for a reason. Young people, you are here for a reason, for a purpose. Old people, same thing. Doesn't change as we get older. So what we get from that is don't waste it. Don't waste your life. Kids, if you've ever heard your parents come in and say, put those phones down or turn off the Xbox or do something with your, go outside or do something with your life. One of the reasons that we are motivated to say that is because you have a limited number of days on this earth and God has given you those days for a reason. Don't waste your life. Grown-ups, put the phone down, get away from the computer and do something with your life. And all the kids said, amen. Your days are numbered as well, and God has put you here for a reason. There is value and calling to your life. And that does not change by your circumstances. That does not change by the ways you've messed up in the past. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. God has something for you every day. So at the start of this new year, we should say, God, what is it? I want to grow in that. I want it, like it said, called you to be righteous and to pursue a relationship with him and to accomplish the things that he has for you. 
Don't waste your life. As we look at this book of Ephesians, and whoever wrote this, and we know who wrote this, and there's a point to me saying that, talking about how God called him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Who wrote this letter in Ephesians? Anyone know this? Paul. The Apostle Paul. So if you know your Bible, you know a little bit of Paul's story. Paul used to be called Saul. At the book of Acts, when the Christian church was just starting out, and these believers in Jesus were starting and seeing miracles and praying and seeing converts and the church was growing, the old Pharisees, the old religious guard, of whom Saul was one of them, were opposed to this, and they were persecuting Christians, and they were arresting Christians and killing and murdering Christians. Acts chapter 7, there's an apostle named Stephen who was martyred or killed for his faith. And Saul was watching. Saul was in charge of that. Saul was pleased by that. Saul was one of the ones going around arresting and murdering, having Christians killed. So that's his past. And then you have the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 where Saul is saved. Jesus appears to him. And Saul is miraculously saved and is thereby known as the Apostle Paul, who goes around and is now preaching the gospel. So when you read Paul write these words, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Paul is saying, even me, God had a plan for my life. Even when I was doing the worst of the worst, God had a plan for my life. He said something similar in Galatians chapter 1. Again, another letter that was written by Paul. And it says this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That sums it up right there. Paul recognizes, before I was even born, God had a plan for my life. And even when I was going around having Christians murdered, it pleased God to reveal his salvation, his redemption, his mercy. It pleased God to redeem Paul for a purpose so that he might go around and preach to the Gentiles. He might go plant churches around the world. What a transformation, right? Wow, that's amazing. Before he was born, God had a redemptive plan for Paul's life. And the same is for you. And so knowing that Paul is the one writing these words, knowing that Paul is the one who had that history, the worst of the testimonies imaginable, you know, you don't hear a lot of video testimonies in church. Well, I remember the first family of Christians that I killed. You know, we don't have a lot of those stories here in church today, I don't think. I know most of you. I don't think that's the case. So all that does when we recognize that this is Paul being brought into the redemption and the plan of God is it eliminates our excuses, doesn't it? If you're thinking, well, I've done too much. God can't use me. It's not going to please God to redeem my life or have a plan for me. This is no different than Paul. Before you were even born, God said, I have a call on your life. I have a plan for your life. And it pleases him to reveal that plan, to bring redemption. Maybe some of you today have never received that salvation in Jesus Christ, and it would do nothing more than to please God, the creator of the universe, to redeem your life in Christ. Amen? This is what is available to you today. If you, if you, if you think you're disqualified or excluded from this, Paul is all the proof you need that this is for everyone, no matter what. We're going to spend the rest of our time today looking at Ephesians chapter 2, the next chapter in Ephesians. And I want to read uh, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And this really kind of sums up kind of the general theme of this series of God has called us for a purpose, to do things for his glory. 
So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10 says this. And again, this is Paul writing here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us have lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So I'm going to stop there. This is really the gospel message. And Paul is laying that foundation. He's saying, as it was in my life, as it is in your life. And I say that today, as it was in my life, as it is in your life as well. We all were dead in our sin. We were dead in our sin, following the ways of the world, following the rulers of the world, not political rulers, but we believe there is a spiritual um, force that is causing people to sin, that is leading people to sin. There's just a thought of the world of idolatry and just follow whatever makes you happy and do it. All of these things that lead us down a road of sin and unrighteousness. We're following the rulers of the world and the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and we are disobedient. And we gratify the flesh and the sinful nature, and we are deserving of wrath. So our sin causes a holy God to not be able to have a relationship with us. Otherwise, he could not be holy if he tolerated sin. So our sin is what is separating us from God. And this is how Paul is laying out this gospel message. Then he continues, verse 4, But because of his great love for us, amen, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We're going to stop there for a minute. This is salvation. God has given us mercy because of Jesus Christ who died and rose for us. Made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. And it is way more than just forgiveness of sins. Some people think that salvation or church is just, well, saying sorry for what you did in the past, and then, you know, every time I mess up, I just say sorry, and it's forgiveness of the sin. And That's all good, but that stops drastically short of the fullness of the gospel message because of what it said in verse 6 there. Verse 6, he raises us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. This is way more than just forgiveness. We are raised up with Christ, a son and a daughter of God. Full rights, full authority, the same righteousness that Jesus has, we are seen through the eyes of God. He sees us as righteous and holy and pure because of nothing we've done, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So it's more than just forgiveness of the past. It's an invitation into full, abundant life a purpose and a calling, seated with Christ, a son and a daughter of God. Amen? This is what we are called to. Continuing on, verse 7. All of this happened in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Wait, did I skip a line? Incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. My glasses aren't working. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. I'm going to read those two verses again. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one 
can boast. Nobody can boast about it. There's a, there's a, a habit in some Christians and a lot of Christians around the world that we start to look down on other people that aren't saved, that are still living according to the patterns of the world, and we, we start to look at the world through some, some sort of an elevated status that we've somehow done better with our life than them, and they're less deserving of mercy, or that group of people is less deserving of mercy, or I hope God gets them, and we forget this is nothing that we, nothing that we did. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It shuts down any sort of arrogant, judgmental, boastful Christian thought and attitude. We were recipients of grace, and by the grace of God, we want everyone to be recipients of that same grace. That is our mentality. If your faith in Jesus is simply reduced to telling people what they're doing wrong, you're missing out on the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's not what the gospel's about. There is no boasting. There is no arrogance. We are recipients of grace. Nothing that we've done deserves it. All right, the last couple of verses in this passage of Scripture. Verse, uh, let's see, verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? What does that say? Good works. So that's where we get this series from today. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the whole thing we've been talking about. God has a plan for your life, which he prepared in advance for you to do, you individually to do, and he knew it from the, from before you were born, from the foundation of the earth. He has called you to do good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. So at the start of the year, I want us to dive into that, and we're going to do that over the next few weeks. What is this series about? It is looking at those good works that he has prepared for us to do. What does that look like? What do we do with this opportunity that God has put before us, calling us to salvation in him and to accomplish the work that he has for your life? To not just coast through life, not just waste the years doing routine and checking the box, but to dive into God, what do you have for my life? And so what I, I want us to look at this over the next few weeks, and we're going to look at a couple of different things over the next few weeks, but I just want to introduce this idea today in the minutes we have left that God has a plan for your life. So we start with this. Some of you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, meaning this. Some of you are still living in your life of sin, and you have yet to acknowledge you need a Savior. You have yet to receive the salvation of Jesus Christ that will forgive your past, will restore your relationship with God, and bring you a purpose and a calling for your life. So today can be the day, what, a better, what better way to start a new year, 2022, than receiving this invitation that Jesus has laid before you. to say, And it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I am far from God, and I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. I can't earn it. But Jesus has provided the way by dying on the cross. This is the gospel message. So that you are no longer separated from God. You are no longer following the desires and the cravings of your flesh. You are no longer deserving of wrath, like what Ephesians said. But you are now a child of God, forgiven and free, full rights and authority, same as Jesus Christ. So today, if you've never done that, this is your opportunity, and you just receive it. 
You say, Jesus, I receive it. And you can do that right now where you're sitting. There's no magic formula. There's not a secret handshake or anything like that. It is receiving. It's by faith and declaring with your mouth, Jesus, I receive your salvation. And you are saved. So what better way to start? So that's the first step. That's where I want us all to be today. Receive the gift of grace. Become adopted as a son and a daughter of God. No longer separated from God by your sin. And then when we're there, what do we do with that? Because a lot of times people think, well, now I'm a Christian and now I just go back to regular life and what I was doing before. No, you dive into the calling that God has, these good works that he has for you, calling you to righteousness, calling you to pursue your faith and grow in your faith. This is what we do. We lay down our lives and follow after God's purpose for your life because we've established that God has a purpose for your life. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't waste your life. God has a plan for you. Amen? There's a story in Matthew chapter 25. This is one of those times when Jesus was teaching in a parable. He would teach in stories to illustrate the point that he was making. It's the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And when you hear talent, you think gift or, you know, ability. A talent was a a monetary thing. It was an amount of money. So the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, there is a a wealthy landowner, and he is going on a long journey, and he leaves three of his servants in charge, and he gives them resources to invest, to grow, an opportunity to work hard, and to take the resources they've been given and cause them to grow and multiply. So the first one he gives five talents to, a large amount of money. And then the second one he gives two talents to, and the third one he gives one talent to. And you, a lot of you are familiar with this story. Well, after a long time, the landowner comes back and says, okay, what would you do with this opportunity, this money that I gave you? And the one who had five said, I worked hard, I invested it, I, I worked hard at it, multiplied it, and doubled it. Here's five more. And the landowner said, well done. You did great. You made the most of this opportunity. The second one, master, you gave me two talents. I multiplied it. Here's two more. I doubled it. Well done. Notice that the gift, the amount was different, but the opportunity was the same. The calling was the same. And the third one who received one talent said, Master, I know that you're a difficult, hard man. And he operated out of this position of fear. And he said, I just buried it in the ground. I wanted to keep it safe. I didn't want anything bad to happen. So I didn't really do anything. But here it is, your one talent. And the response was different. He calls him a wicked servant because you wasted this opportunity. There was an opportunity given to you, and you wasted it. Jesus is teaching us something here. The one guy who didn't do anything with the the opportunity he was given, what was his kind of overarching mentality? It was fear. He was operating out of a fear mentality, where the other two saw it as an opportunity to do something. He, this one guy was stuck in his fear. So I want to I talk about this in the few minutes we have left. What is holding you back? What holds us back from pursuing this life or this calling that God has for you? Wherever you're at, we've already established salvation is open to anybody. We've already established no matter what you've done in your past does not disqualify you from the plan that God has in your life. So where you're at right now, what hinders you from following this plan that God has for your life? Well, for a lot of us, and these will be on the screen, for a lot of us, it is our past. And we've already covered that. I don't need to dive into that. It pleases God to redeem your past, no matter what it is. He did it with Paul. He did it with Dennis. He can do it with anybody. 
I like to mess with Dennis. Some of you are like, I don't see Dennis in the Bible here. Whatever your story is, it pleases God to redeem that. Your past does not disqualify you. All of us are walking examples of, man, our past should have disqualified us, but it didn't because of the mercy of Jesus Christ. So your past is not an excuse. There is an opportunity for you moving forward. Second one that sometimes holds us back is just we fall into this trap of like just living with bitterness, anger. Like our whole life is just stuck in this anger that everyone is doing something wrong. And it certainly is running rampant in our culture right now, right? We have very much a, there's a lot of uh, anger, resentment, bitterness in our culture. We as the people of God need to push against that and not dive into it, certainly. But bitterness and anger is something that if you allow an offense or you allow a hurt or something to to stir up that resentment in you, it's going to eat away at your life and you're going to miss out on all that God has for you because you're fixated on that. If you let this culture of hostility take over and that's all you think about. And sometimes it's geared even towards church. One of the popular things you hear in the world today is deconstruction of faith where a lot of young people are like this church that I grew up with, I realized it wasn't for me, and I pointed out all the flaws in it, and all the people that messed up, and all the hypocrites in the churches, and there always are going to be hypocrites in churches. And it causes people to even approach their faith from this resentment or bitterness, and pointing out all the flaws and everything. You're going to miss out on what God has for you to do if that's where you are stuck. We got to get back to the beginning, and just like we read in Ephesians, we were dead in our sin And only by the love of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ do we have new life. And that should be the foundation. Sure, other people are going to mess everything up from time to time, and we're going to do the same. But we start and anchor our life with that. And that is a reason to let go of the bitterness and anger and pursue the call that God has for you. Third one is fear. We talked a little bit about this already. We are programmed in our mind to see anything uncertain with a little bit of skepticism or fear, like a little uncertainty, like I'm not sure, you know, if there's a, a, a rock there that we're not sure what's on the other side of it, we approach it with some fear just in case there's a ferocious bear ready to attack us, right? I used that example a couple weeks ago. It doesn't really make sense. Um, we are programmed to think of something that's unknown to approach it with fear. A lot of us approach a new life with Christ with that same, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know how I'm managing my life. I know how I'm managing my resources and my time and my family. I know how I'm managing my attitude. But if I give that all over to God, I don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of us have that fear. We're just stuck in that. That's something that holds us back. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I would rather settle for the known. And like we have all sorts of control over our life that we can keep it all safe and secure on our own. But yet we believe we can. And yet somehow that hinders us from giving God authority in our life because there's an unknown factor there. What if he asks me to give away something? What if he calls me to career change? What if he calls me to go into the mission field? What if he calls me to a step of faith here? That seems uncomfortable. Of course it is, but that's great, right? That's the good stuff. We've got, we've established this. We only have a certain number of years. Let's embrace what God has for us. You have no idea what God can do in your life. None of us have dreamt up what God wants to do in your life. Scripture says it. Nobody can even comprehend what God has in store for your life as we surrender to him. And there is a fear. There is an uncertainty. But that is faith, 
right? It's that moment of, I trust you, God, and you're asking me to take this big sacrifice or this big step of faith or to do this thing or this big change, and there's a fear there, but that is the beauty of faith because we know God is in control. He has the ability to care for us. He loves us and wants to provide for us, so there really is no reason to fear, but yet we get stuck there from pursuing what God has for us because we don't know what's on the other side of it. I want to encourage you. And we all battle this. I haven't conquered that. There's still times where I'm like, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about this. Let's let go of that. The good work that God has for us is going to start with letting go of that fear and what's holding us back. And the final one is this. It's just complacency. It's just complacency. It's just stuck. You just live in your life. You're just content with where you're at. It might involve church, but you go to church, and then you go and live your life, and your career is kind of the same, and your relationships, your marriages, your family is kind of the same. Your, your devotion, your walk with God is kind of the same. It's just this repeating cycle, and every year in January, like, yeah, maybe we'll do a little better, and then you just repeat the same pattern. We all fall into those patterns, right? And we just get stuck. And you've got all this God opportunity ahead of you, and just complacency has sucked you in like quicksand, right? You're just, you're there. It's been a long time since anything's changed in your life. Maybe this could be the year where you just, whatever push that you need, we want to help you as a body of believers and say, let's, let's take that step of faith. Find out what God has for us, right? Let's not get stuck in complacency. And I ask this question a lot. We're here at the start of 2022. So imagine your life a year from now, the start of 2023. And maybe we'll be back here again if the world hasn't, you know, completely fallen off the rails by then. Where do you want to be a year from now? What do you want your life to look like a year from now? Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your level of faith, Bible reading, devotion, prayer, your level of spiritual leadership, how you have shared your faith with others, the level to which God has been able to use you and direct you. Where do you want to be a year from now? What do you want your life to look like? In your level of joy, in how you've let go of the bitterness or the hurt, in your level of peace or faith, willingness to take those big steps of faith. Where do you, a year from now, when we're all here, where do you want to be? Just think about that for a moment. I think we all think of things that we want to get better at or develop in or change or have this area of my life strengthened or restored, and it's going to start by, God, what do you have for me? So let's start there. Let's just not wait until the end of the year to think, oh, here's a, there's another year and I didn't change anything. Let's do it this year. This year can be an amazing opportunity for you. There's a lot of, you know, in social media, and you know, 2022 is getting a bad rap. They're like, here we go again. 2021 was terrible and 2022 is going to be terrible. It's just the nature of our world over the last couple of years. For a lot of valid reasons, people are not super optimistic about this new year, right? But I'm just telling you, as a person of faith, that is countercultural to anything that the world is saying. This could be the best year of your life because you allow God to orchestrate your steps, to order your steps. You allow God to funnel your resources and your gifts and talents to things for his glory, and you see him use it, making a difference, bringing the light into the darkest parts of the world. You could look back on 2022 and say, this is the best year of my life, in spite of all the darkness that was going on around us. So let's start. When we say as a church we've got men's Bible study on Monday night, that's just an opportunity. That's a mechanism for you guys to step into and to start growing in that. So 
get together and learn how to read your Bible. That's what we're doing. If you don't know how to do it, that's not the reason you say, well, I don't want to go because I don't really know how to do it. That's why it's there for us to learn how to read the Bible. And you got a great group of guys that meets here that are going to pray for one another. You can learn how to pray in front of other people. It's not that scary. All of these things that you can grow. This is why we have our prayer nights on Thursday nights through the month of January. We're just going to get together and pray. And some of you are like, I don't know how to pray. Well, come to pray. Right? I, that, that's how you're going to do it. And if you don't want to pray in front of other people, that's fine. But we are just going to get together when we're looking at us individually saying, God, I know you have a plan for my life. What is that plan for my life? Well, it's going to start by getting together and just seeking God. Saying, God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for this year. I'm going to pray for my life, my family, our church, our community, our nation. We've all got things that are heavy on our hearts. And things that we're worried about, things that we're fearful of. We love talking to other people about it, or we love posting about it. Prayer is just coming to a room like this or in your room at home and just telling God about it. Just tell God about it. That's prayer. God, I'm worried about this. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's a great prayer. That's a great prayer. Do that in front of other people. This is what we do. We're going to grow in our prayer life. So Thursday night, 6.30 to 7.30, we'd love to have you join us. Bible studies throughout the week. Men's breakfast. These are just opportunities. But here's the thing. We, we as a church, we love to provide these opportunities. But what we want is for it to go past that, where it's not dependent on us to think of the right schedule things. We're going to keep doing that. We want you to have a relationship where you are leading groups of people in prayer and Bible study, where you are growing in your faith all on your own, right? This is what's ahead of us for this year. This is the opportunity that we have. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your call on our life. That's amazing to think about that before we were even made, before the foundation of the earth was put into place, that you saw us as individuals with a calling, with a purpose, with a, with a plan for salvation, redemption, and abundant new life to accomplish things, accomplish the good works that you had prepared in us from the start of the world to do. So, Lord, I pray for those today that have yet to start a relationship with you. Maybe this is the first time they're hearing what it really means to receive your mercy and, and what it really means to be lost in sin and need a Savior. If that's you today, just take a minute. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, just say, Jesus, I need you. I want to start that relationship with God again. I want to be right in the eyes of God. I want my past to be forgiven. I want the unrighteousness in me to take on the righteousness of Christ, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the mercy of Jesus Christ, that he died as the sacrifice once and for all. So if that's you today, just receive the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is the start of your faith adventure with God, new life in Christ. And Lord, for all of us today, we recognize at the start of the year, it's a, it's a time where we, just by habit, we look at our life and we say, what do we want to change? How do we want to improve? What do we want to do differently this year? I pray first and foremost that it would be anchored in God. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want my faith to impact my life. I want you to use me for your kingdom purposes in my job, in my workplace, in my school, my college campus, in my neighborhood, with my family, in my marriage, I want the abundant life of Christ to begin to 
shine the light in all of these things, recognizing that you have us there for a purpose. You have us there because you've called us there. Lord, we want to make the most of that opportunity. And we recognize that as we open up our lives to you, and, and Lord, we do that right now. And if you're sitting here today, maybe you just want to open up your hands as a symbol saying, God, I, I open up my life to you. I'm open-handed. I open up my heart. Have your way. Call us to steps of faith, to radical obedience, to put away the, the, the patterns of this world and pursue righteousness to put away the division of the world and pursue reconciliation and justice and love and serving around the world. To put away the ways of, of, of keeping all of our resources for ourselves and to open-handedly open just be generous with our resources. All these things, God, we just give it to you. We start this year by opening up our lives to you and say, God, have your way. Have your way every day, every moment. We want it to be for your purpose and your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen.